time for the Tech Mobility Show with Ken Chester. Ken is a veteran journalist who doesn't always color between the lines. So, here he is, the host with the electrified personality, Ken Chester. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. Welcome, one and all, to the Tech Mobility Show, the program for mobility and technology news, information, and perspective. I'm Ken Chester. Let's get started. On the docket. A review of the refreshed 2024 Subaru Impressa 5 door. Biohacking your house. I bet you didn't even know biohacking was a word, but it's a whole way of life. And we'll talk about that. And vehicles with the highest death rates. Not nearly the ones you might think. To add your voice to the conversation, be it to ask a question, share an opinion, or even suggest a topic for discussion in a future episode, call or text the Tech Mobility Hotline. That number, as always, 872-222-9793, or if you prefer, email the show, talk at techmobility.show. That's talk at techmobility.show. You can also reach out to us on social media. That's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, Good Pods, and heaven forbid, even LinkedIn. We are there. If you miss a show or you want to hear it again, we got you there too. Our podcast streams Tech Mobility Podcasts and Tech Mobility Topics can be found pretty much wherever you enjoy podcasts. And be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook because I would really appreciate it. We're trying to hit a number and we need your help. So if you'd be so kind to subscribe to our YouTube channel, I'd be ever so grateful. Thank you. From the Tech Mobility News Desk. Let's file this one under can your gasoline car do this? General Motors recently announced that they will add backup power function to its electric vehicles. What does that mean? We've talked about bi-directional charging. And what that means is your electric vehicle doesn't just take a charge. When it's fully charged, it's actually an energy storage device. And as so, it has the ability to power your home. The Ford Lightning right now has that ability. And there's a, few, there's a smattering of vehicles that can do that. But think about this for a minute. In our world of extreme weather and extreme and increasing number of power outages, which the electric utility industry says has increased quite a bit since 2016, you may find yourself in the dark. And you might not have been one of those who are either able or could afford to have bought a backup generator for a variety of reasons. I mean, they're, they're great to have, but they also have shortcomings. Uh, for example, if they're natural gas powered, that assumes the supply of natural gas. Well, in the outages in Texas, when it got cold a couple of years ago, that would have been a problem because you would have had a limited capacity because the wells were electric and they were prioritized by the utility, which means the ability to pump the natural gas out of the wells got turned off, which means your backup power, if it was natural gas based, had a problem. Diesel or gasoline would be fine too, but again, you're limited to the size of the tank and the availability and assuming that you were on top of it to keep it full. What if you weren't? Now what? In the case of an electric vehicle sitting in your garage, you don't need a separate backup generator, you already have the power sitting in your vehicle. GM plans to have this installed, this two-way charging technology in all their electric cars and trucks. 
that will enable these vehicles to power homes in an emergency. And this technology will start to appear in vehicles not five years from now, not three years from now, not next year, this year. This is just another way car makers are marketing the vehicles as not being just cleaner, but also more practical. By 2026, GM said all their electric vehicles will have what will have what is known as vehicle to home technology or what we call vehicle to grid. And that will include breaking news here, a new version of the Chevy Bolt. We filed that under uh, rumors of its demise were grossly exaggerated. GM had said they were going to discontinue making the Volt because it was under old electric technology. They were not going to transition it to the new one. That was then. However, GM reversed their decision last month after people complained about the disappearance of one of the most affordable electric vehicles. It is amazing what public pressure will do and public demand. If they build it, they will come. And if they don't build it, sometimes it's a matter of getting that information. And GM decided to make a change. They're not the only manufacturer that's done that in recent years. Vehicles able to keep the lights on and refrigerator running during a power outage could be appealing as blackouts become more frequent and longer because of extreme weather caused by climate change. The average duration of power outages doubled from 2015 to 2021, and that's according to the U.S. Energy Information Administration. Automakers looking to sell these electric vehicles. And honestly, honestly, as you start to evaluate them, and if you take one for a ride, you're going to find that the fact that it's greener and doesn't need gasoline is just one aspect of why we should have went electric years ago. Fun fact, the industry, the automotive industry actually did start electric. It was because electric technology over 100 years ago wasn't as advanced as gasoline-powered vehicles and cheaper and able to gas up quickly as opposed to the hours they would need to recharge the batteries that, you know, by the 30s, electrics were long forgotten and would take almost 100 years to get back in good graces. But here we are. Like I said earlier, Ford F-150 Lightning can do that now. Here's an interesting fact you may not know. Tesla vehicles cannot do that. If you have a Tesla in your garage, it cannot, does not offer bi-directional charging. It cannot power your home. Not one Tesla right now. The company is hinted that they may add that ability in the years to come. I think if GM's going to be there by 2026, Elon Musk and company will be there shortly thereafter, if not before. He's a very competitive soul. I can't see him letting that one go. Imagine this. Electric vehicles are also seen as a way for utilities to store excess solar or renewable energy. In return for payments or discount on their bills, owners would allow utilities to use their vehicles like sponges who could absorb renewable energy when it's abundant and release it when the grid needs more power. This has happened already. I keep going back now probably six or seven years to a Pacific Gas and Electric uh, pilot done with BMW first-generation i3 electrics. They had a 100 of them, and they used them for that purpose. It didn't degrade any of the vehicles in terms of charging or their abilities or anything, but it provided, in mass, it provided an extra source of power during peak periods on the grid without PG&E having to add another plant 
or keep something in hot standby. And that saves people money. Not to mention, it's another way for you to defer the cost of the vehicle you just bought. In addition to the federal and perhaps state rebates on your electric vehicle, you can also make money selling power to the utility from your vehicle. Selling the energy into the grid when demand is high, recharging back from the grid at night when demand is low and it's cheap. And imagine you're making, you're making money on the difference. You're playing the variable. Because if you can sell it for five, you know, five cents a kilowatt going out and you're only spending two and a half cents at night to recharge it, you're making two and a half cents. That makes sense, right? Make money. Can your gasoline engine vehicle sitting in your garage do more than occupy space? I doubt it. Electrics have that ability and they're making them more and more capable every year and every iteration of these vehicles, they're going to do a lot more than we ever thought transportation could do. And I haven't even begun to talk about autonomous. We're not even there yet. That's a whole nother opportunity for your vehicle to make you money when you're not using it. Because fun statistic, the average vehicle owned, the average private vehicle in America sits probably 95% of the time, does not go anywhere. 95%. Imagine if you could turn 20% of that into money for your pocket. How would that change the economics of what you owned, where you parked it, and uh, your household budget? Food for thought right there. Let me give this to you before we go to break. Uh, they showed spy photos of the, the Hyundai Ioniq 7 three-row electric crossover. Looks close to the coming Kia EV9, but almost identical in shape to the current Hyundai Palisade kit hauler. It's going to be the third dedicated electric vehicle on that platform, and it's going to be awesome. And they expect it to go on sale next year, but depending on demand and situation, could end up in middle of 2025. But it's coming. It's based on Hyundai's 7 concept, which debuted at the 2021 Los Angeles Auto Show, and will follow Kia, the launch of Kia's three-row EV9, which will go on sale this year. And by the way, made in Georgia, American-made, just so you know. When we return, it's a review of the refreshed Subaru Impressa 5-door. You're listening to the Tech Mobility Show. Welcome to AONMeetings.com, your next video conferencing and webinar platform. Host your next virtual meeting or your paid webinar with registration and secure file sharing, break rooms, classrooms, and much more. With over five levels of security to know that your data is safe and secure and 100% browser-based, keep in touch with family and friends using the newest meeting platform. Go to AONMeetings.com to start your free seven-day trial. That's AONMeetings.com to start your seven-day free trial. Did you know that you could still listen to past shows of Roadworthy Drive? Ken Chester here. With the change to the Tech Mobility Show, we've taken steps to maintain our vast library of past shows for your listening pleasure. Whether you want to listen to 1, 10, or 50 of our 1,000 shows, we got you covered. Be sure to visit roadworthydrive.buzzsprout.com or roadworthydrivemoment.buzzsprout.com and subscribe. There's no recurring commitment and you can opt out at any time. We set the price super low so that access to the shows is easy and carefree. Thank you so much for your support. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. Roadworthy Drive is now the Tech Mobility Show. I'm Ken Chester, your host. Every week, 
I delve into the current trends and topics that impact you when it comes to mobility and technology. Things are changing fast, and I cover these topics in a way that's easy to understand. By tuning into the Tech Mobility Show, you can keep informed about the latest happenings with self-driving vehicles, auto finance, electric airplanes, and more. That's the Tech Mobility Show, heard each week on this very fine radio station. days, everybody wants to be social, and we're no exception. Hi, I'm Ken Chester, host of the Tech Mobility Show. We get to share additional content that you won't find on the show. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even TikTok. Yeah, we're there. You can find us at Tech Mobility Pod on Twitter and at the Tech Mobility Show everywhere else. Check us out. Be sure to follow us. inexpensive Subaru station wagon not only goes far on a gallon of gas, it also goes almost anywhere on a gallon of gas, thanks to front-wheel drive. But if you want more traction than our wagon with front-wheel drive, we suggest our wagon with on-demand four-wheel drive. Subaru, inexpensive and built to stay that way. Inexpensive and built to stay that way. That is how Subaru made its career in the early days back in the late 1970s and 1980s. The Subarus were indestructible back then, and you could get them in front or all-wheel drive. But from then till now, Subaru had an epiphany and realized that their future and their very survival lied in going all-wheel drive all the time. And that's what they did. The Impressa, the Subaru Impressa, is a long-time part of the automaker's lineup introduced back in 1992. Subaru has offered a five-door hatchback body variant since 2008. With the 2016 introduction of the fifth generation of the hard-working Impressa, the vehicle became the first to be based on the new Subaru Global Platform, which is now the base for all future Subaru models. In addition to a slew of improvements that moving to the new platform provides, the Impressa grew in length and width, with much of that increase used to improve front and rear leg seat room. I'm sorry, rear seat leg room. As a result, the automaker boasted that the Impressa has category-leading passenger room. The sixth generation of the Subaru Impressa was introduced last year at the LA Auto Show in Los Angeles. The 2024 Impressa actually went on sale in the United States this past spring. The sedan is no more, and alas, the Emmanuel gearbox has also been dropped. This is Topic A. Available in three trim levels, the Impressa is powered by a 2-liter 4-cylinder direct-injection gasoline Subaru Boxer engine producing 152 horsepower and 145 foot-pounds of torque. The new range-topping RS model is outfitted with a 2.5-liter gasoline Boxer engine delivering 182 horsepower and 178 foot-pounds of torque. And I need to mention that that 2.5 is also a turbo. Energy is communicated to all four wheels via a Linertronic continuously variable automatic transmission. The Sport and RS trims feature an eight-speed manual mode with steering wheel paddle shifters that allow the driver to control the transmission via eight preset ratios. So, you know, you still can have some fun. The new Impressa also receives a version of the WRX Sports Car's dual pinion electric power steering rack offering a more direct and natural steering feel and greater responsiveness. The Sport and RS trim levels are also equipped with the SI Drive Performance Management System 
18-inch alloy wheels and a sport-tuned suspension to maximize performance and handling. The Subaru Global Platform for the 2024 Impressa has been enhanced with a 10% higher torsional rigidity, a full airframe construction, and additional structural adhesive from roughly 26.2 feet to 88.5 feet contributed better body rigidity and lighter weight. Wait a minute. Subaru, are you telling me you added extra glue in order to make the body stronger? Is that what really you said there? You know, structural adhesive, they try to make it nice, but basically they added glue. And they're not the first automaker to do that, by the way. Um, GM did it in the late uh, 1990s, improve the structural rigidity of their Camaro and Firebird F-body cars. Imagine that. Glue. Who knew? These updates deliver an improved dynamic performance, smoother ride, and quieter cabin. EPA fuel economy numbers are 27 city, 34 highway for the base engine, 26 city, 33 highway for the RS Plyme Mover. Cargo capacity is 56 feet, cubic feet. Here's what I liked about the car. The new Impressor features an attractively aggressive exterior that works. The compact five-door is a solid build with a unique low placement of the boxer engine design, resulting in a low center of gravity that when combined with its wide stance, makes this five-door precise and controlled in the twisties. Tight steering works with a fluid and responsive powertrain to make this one very fun to drive. The passenger cabin benefits from an enhanced focus on occupants and their interaction with the vehicle. A more supportive front seat design, with heated seats, by the way, Increases overall comfort and minimizes fatigue. And just in case somebody needs to know this, I don't know why, but I'm putting it out there. The driver's seat reclines almost completely flat for those that need to know. The low height of the firewall provides the driver with an excellent outward view. A focused effort on reducing sounds within a particular frequency range results in a quieter and more comfortable cabin. The modern, clean interior design features a prominent center information display with highly visual controls that are very easy to use, as well as ample head and leg room and storage space. Amen. Rear seat passengers experience rear windows that go all the way down, as well as a 70-30 split folding rear seat that has a center armrest and built-in cup holders. There are also mini and regular USB ports for backseat passengers as well. Here's what I didn't like about the car. First, there's no spare tire. Really, there's no spare tire. The rear, and I don't know for the record if the uh, Yokohama Avid tires made in the Philippines are self-sealing, run flats. I don't know what. I really don't, and they didn't explain that. So I'm putting that out there just so you know. The rear folding seats do not fold flat with the cargo floor. And worse yet, the cargo floor is about four inches below the cargo hatch opening, which can make the movement of heavier bulky items in or out of the vehicle, you know, sliding stuff in a bit tricky. The wide opening rear doors offer access to a narrow door opening, which is a little bit deceiving. The rear hatch is empowered and the rear view camera is very distorted and cannot be trusted if you're consulting it when backing up. And this last one is a want to have. And all I'm asking for is a head-up display would be nice. Although, you gave me fog lights. I'm happy. Thank you for the fog lights. Here's the bottom line. <clears throat> Despite a few shortcomings, the Subaru Impressa 5-door is a reasonably priced value for those looking for a combination of economy, performance, and some functionality. 
This Impressa is bristling with standard safety features across all three trim levels, and for the price, that's not nothing. Particularly a day and time, because honestly, safety should not be optional. Full stop. Shouldn't be. So thank you for that, Subaru. The base manufacturer suggested retail price for the 2024 Subaru Impressa five-door starts from $22,995 for the base model, $24,995 for the Sport, and $27,995 for the RS. Destination charges add $1,090. MSRP is tested. I drove an Impressa RS with no extra cost options. Really didn't have any. And to be honest, there's really only about two or three that you can even get with the car for the price. There are not that many. So the total MSRP, including destination charges, $28,975. And honestly, this is the RS. You're really not going to be much higher than that, even if you opted for the one or two features that are available. And those features, for the most part, are available on the lower trims. The RS already has it. So it's almost hard to break 30000 in this thing. And that's not bad. Not for everything that you get. For the power and its all-wheel drive, which is already something rare in its class. So you've got sure-footedness, all-wheel drive, and a decent, decent fuel economy. It's not a bad combination. And you got super quality. So there's that too. It's a pretty good deal. So I can kind of get over some of that other stuff. Biohacking your home. It's a thing. And I show you how. This is the Tech Mobility Show. Believe it or not, the Tech Mobility Show has a website. Yep. Combined with all the other ways you can interact with us, our website is a great place to start. Learn more about the host. Find us in the news and even check out where you can hear our programs across the country on the radio. I know, right? Our website is a great place to learn more about us and our programming. Go to techmobility.show for more information. Welcome to AONmeetings.com, your next video conferencing and webinar platform. Host your next virtual meeting or your paid webinar with registration and secure file sharing, break rooms classrooms, and much more. With over five levels of security to know that your data is safe and secure and 100% browser-based, keep in touch with family and friends using the newest meeting platform. Go to aonmeetings.com to start your free seven-day trial. That's aonmeetings.com to start your seven-day free trial. If you're just joining us, this is the second half of this episode of the Tech Mobility Show. Biohacking. Have you ever heard of that word? I haven't until just doing the research for this particular feature. It's a term many folks have never heard of, including me, until just recently. So first, let me equip you with a definition. Biohacking is a wellness lifestyle aimed at optimizing physical and mental performance. Devotees take a volume, read dozens of custom vitamins and supplements a day, and then eat a diet that's been specifically tailored to their specific genes. Their genes. They may even work out daily with a trainer in addition to other routines that they follow. Now, imagine applying this optimization to your home. And I'm going to put it in the words of one biohacking devotee, and he said it this way. Why not build a house where you can do these things? You spend so much time at home. Your house should heal you. It should nourish you. It should rejuvenate you. 
it shouldn't kill you. Think about that for a minute. With all the stay-at-home, work-from-home orders we've had in the last couple of years, and a lot of people now that work remotely, wouldn't it, on the surface, make sense to optimize your house so that you could live your best life, your best health, your best rest, your best work, so you could be totally efficient? Even if that's true, how much money are you willing to spend for it? This Wall Street Journal article talked about, and I quote, the biohacking devotees spending hundreds of thousands, even millions, to enhance their homes. Light therapy beds, infrared saunas, ozone generators. These homeowners have infused health and wellness into their properties and then some. As I'm reading through all of this stuff, and I followed, they follow a couple of different couples and, and devotees to the thing, and they're spending anywheres from 135000 to millions of dollars to get all this stuff done. Let me give you an example. Let me give, let me give you just one example. This is just one couple. This is a real estate investor couple near Austin, Texas. He takes 150 custom vitamins and supplements per day. She takes 23. They eat a diet specifically tailored to their genes, and they work out with a trainer almost daily. They take posture management classes. They practice transcendental meditation. They say affirmations. And they also buy a hack their house, which, by the way, is an 8,200-square-foot, $22,500 a month rental. They don't even own the house, and they do that by choice. Gadgets are strategically positioned throughout their seven-bedroom, eight-bathroom space, which they believe will help them achieve peak health and wellness. In the guts of their house are ultraviolet light systems for air and water purification. Their kitchen has a machine that adds hydrogen to their drinking water. What? Okay. Providing hydration that uh, the man of the house says is infinitely more powerful than normal water. Their bedroom has a mattress pad cooled at 64 degrees Fahrenheit for him, 72 degrees for her. Their gym is outfitted with a machine that pumps extra oxygen into their bodies during training. Who has time for all this? I barely have time to get my work done every day. And then there are expensive devices. We're not even done. This is the same house. Like a $65,000 light therapy bed purported to provide training recovery and a $16,990 biocharger machine that uses light, frequencies, and harmonics Voltage Pulse Electromagnetic Field Technology 2, its makers claim, promotes cellular rejuvenation, enhance cellular health, and revitalize the body. Oh, my God. This particular couple, for their rental, spent $135,000. And they've lived there now two years. Yeah. As I read through this and people optimizing and spending all this money, Something hit me pretty hard, particularly when I read about this thing called a PEMF bed. And I had to look that up. It's called a pulsed electromagnetic frequency bed. And according to the people who promote that kind of uh, technology, I guess, it induces a mild, a mild electrical magnetic current in the damaged cells. And it claims that the therapy slows or stops the release of pain and inflammatory mediators, increasing blood flow of the cells and reestablishes normal cell interaction. With reduced inflammation, pain decreases 
energy increases and faster tissue healing occurs. When I read that, I was struck of a movie I remembered seeing. I had to look it up called Elysium. It starred Matt Damon. It was made in 2013 and it showed a healing bed kind of like along these lines, except it was way more involved. And obviously the rich people off planet in their created perfect little world had it. And the poor folks struggling on planet Earth did not. And folks are struggling and every rich person's home had one of those beds. And it could heal you from almost anything short of death. Are we getting to a point when I see stuff like this of the haves and have nots, I could go through the rest of this piece and give you examples of hundreds of thousands of dollars that people who espouse this biohacking technology have done to their bodies, are doing to their homes, the, the extreme changes they are going to, to preserve a life that bluntly, it doesn't matter how healthy you are. Life is 100% fatal, my friends. We live and there's one day we won't. And it doesn't matter how healthy you are. There is a day. You might improve your quality of life, but at what cost? And at the end of it all, is it worth it? It is wonderful. Everybody wants to be healthy. Everybody wants their best life. And this piece even goes in to say that at a basic level, these folks do have a point in terms of just basic stuff that makes sense. And I want to find that for you because they did, they did say that, you know, clean water, clean air, that does make sense. At a basic level, biohackers are onto something. Air quality, water quality, and light are the top elements of indoor wellness as validated by the Well Building Standard, a global certification used to assess a building's effect on occupant health. So there's certain things that do make sense. You know, natural light, uh, the ability, you know, trees around, which help. You know, things that you can do. But really, at this level of money that they're spending... Now, this standard was launched in 2014 by New York-based company Delos and backed by research contributed by such institutions as Mayo Clinic and Cleveland Clinic. The company's founder and CEO, Paul Ciala, said that significantly improving indoor air, water, and lighting can be done for 1% of construction costs or less. It doesn't have to break the bank. You can get better quality all around. Now, those of us that live in the Midwest, we have, to some degree, we have purifiers for our water because we have hard water out here. So we have water purifiers that take the iron out and it doesn't cost this kind of money. Some of us even have it at the sink. We do a lot of some of this stuff, but not at the pace of this. Elysium, is that where we're going? Really? At the level of haves and have nots? And at the end, at the end of their lives, for all the money they spent, will it be worth it? Could that money have been better spent doing other things? Because <laughs> whether you like it or not, this body is going to break down. I don't care how healthy you are. That day's coming. And I don't mean to preach, but that's just a point. But, you know, we can certainly improve the quality of life we have. But as they say in this piece, for way less money than that, way less money than that. So I don't know. Biohacking. It's a way of life. It's a wellness way of life. And people are willing to spend almost anything. Hence, the perpetual fountain of youth. According to the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety, these vehicles have the highest death rates. We are the Tech Mobility Show.
Did you know that you could still listen to past shows of Roadworthy Drive? Ken Chester here. With the change to the Tech Mobility Show, we've taken steps to maintain our vast library of past shows for your listening pleasure. Whether you want to listen to 1, 10, or 50 of our 1,000 shows, we got you covered. Be sure to visit roadworthydrive.buzzsprout.com or roadworthydrivemoment.buzzsprout.com and subscribe. There's no recurring commitment and you can opt out at any time. We set the price super low so that access to the shows is easy and carefree. Thank you so much for your support. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. Roadworthy Drive is now the Tech Mobility Show. I'm Ken Chester, your host. Every week, I delve into the current trends and topics that impact you when it comes to mobility and technology. Things are changing fast, and I cover these topics in a way that's easy to understand. By tuning into the Tech Mobility Show, you can keep informed about the latest happenings with self-driving vehicles, auto finance, electric airplanes, and more. That's the Tech Mobility Show, heard each week on this very fine radio station. days, everybody wants to be social, and we're no exception. Hi, I'm Ken Chester, host of the Tech Mobility Show. We get to share additional content that you won't find on the show. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even TikTok. Yeah, we're there. You can find us at Tech Mobility Pod on Twitter and at the Tech Mobility Show everywhere else. Check us out. Be sure to follow us. Believe it or not, the Tech Mobility Show has a website. Yep. Combined with all the other ways you can interact with us, our website is a great place to start. Learn more about the host, find us in the news, and even check out where you can hear our programs across the country on the radio. I know, right? Our website is a great place to learn more about us and our programming. Go to techmobility.show for more information. According to the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety, muscle cars and small cars have some of the highest death rates among 2020 model year vehicles. The IIHS has been tracking driver fatality rates since 1989. And it's the first year that the safety organization has also calculated the best or worst models according to the number of drivers in other vehicles killed in crashes with them. So it's not enough that they're rating the vehicle you're driving. But they're also talking about the vehicle you might get hit with and your chances of walking away if you get hit by a vehicle like this. Before I even get into this, I was having a conversation on social media. And the person was lamenting the fact that, oh, they've just announced the discontinuation of the Mitsubishi Mirage. You know, how dare the auto industry take away an affordable car? Yeah, from Consumer Reports to me, we've all panned that car. Why? It's underpowered, it's unsafe, and it's unreliable. Cheap should not mean, you know, you should have to choose between cheap and your safety. The problem is the Mirage was a bad car all the way around. And I'm going to skip here, and I'm going to come back around, but the second most deadliest car to get into to be in an accident with is the Mitsubishi Mirage. It's a three-cylinder people and an underpowered one at that. It is, it is barely a roller skate on wheels. There's not much there. And honestly, any larger vehicle, and it lists large trucks, uh, if you get into an accident in a large truck, if a large truck hits you in a Mirage, it's over. It ain't even a competition. And really, this is what this study shows. It shows two things. One, it shows if you've got the money to afford a vehicle that has all the safety features, the chances of you surviving an accident go way up. 
If you don't have a bunch of money and you buy the cheapest thing on the road, it doesn't have all that stuff. It's smaller, it's lighter, and it's physics. You're going to lose. If you the lightest thing on the road, it means anything larger is going to hurt you. It means even if you are totally careful, but they're not, that's your problem. Tracking death rates, according to the IIHS, can be more useful than crash ratings as the latter compares vehicles within a class, while the former covers vehicles across classes and takes into account a vehicle's typical driver profile. <laughs> no, no surprise here. Men are more frequently involved in collisions than women are, and older drivers are more likely to die in collision than younger ones, both of which may be seen in the vehicle ratings. Let me skip to something that's going to blow your mind. What if I told you that there are, because I'm going to skip from the worst to the best. What if I told you in their rankings, there are four vehicles that have a death rate, 2020 vehicles that have a death rate, looked over three years, a death rate of zero. Nobody died driving the following vehicles. BMW X3 four-wheel drive. It is a small SUV, not a large one. Lexus ES350. It's their most popular sedan. Consider that about the size of an outgoing Toyota Avalon, and you'd be about right. Mercedes E-Class sedan four-wheel drive. One thing, they didn't make a lot of them. Two, um, you're at the pinnacle of what they make. That E-Class is one below the S-Class. And when you're in that kind of rarefied air, basically Mercedes is giving you every security and safety feature that is available off the shelf and including a few they invented. Here's one you didn't see coming. The Nissan, the Nissan Pathfinder two-wheel drive. Pathfinder has been around forever. In 2020, nobody driving a Pathfinder died in a car accident. Let that sink in for a minute. That's death per million registered vehicle years, 2020 and equivalent earlier models, 2018 to 2021, meaning if the vehicle did not change materially, they covered all of that. Those are the best. Let me give you the worst. And the first two are small cars and made by the same manufacturer. Mitsubishi Mirage G4. And bear in mind, this is not some left-wing organization. This is the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety. It's owned and funded by insurance companies. They're looking at these numbers. And they've been on it more so than even the federal government down through the years. We quote them a lot because they're accurate and they're nonpartisan. So these are not partisan numbers, people. Mitsubishi Mirage G4, classified as a mini car, death rate per million registered vehicle years. 205, that is the worst. Number two, the vehicle I've just panning, the Mitsubishi Mirage Hatchback, 183. These are both small cars. What is the number third one that is most third deadliest? And I'm not surprised because I literally can tell you the model. It says Dodge Challenger two-wheel drive. I literally tell you which model Dodge Challenger it probably is. It's probably either the one with the 5.7 or the 6.4 liter V8. Because if you've ever driven a Hellcat, that's a lot of power. And most people don't know how to handle it. I'm very sure that the 3.6 liter V6 is not the one they're talking about. And that's at 154 per million registered vehicle years. The next two are mini cars. Hyundai Accent, Chevy Spark, 
Kia Rio. They're all small. Number still, by the way, 50 less than the Mitsubishi Twins. Dodge Charger Heme, two-wheel drive. Same thing that I say about the Challenger because they're based on the same frame. I'm going to tell you, same engines. All the way down here, and that's, let's see, two, three, in the eighth place, Chevy Camaro convertible at 113, and that's number eight. So could it be that the Dodge drivers are more aggressive than the Chevy drivers are? And the Camaro Coupe is even safer because Nissan Altima, number nine, Kia Forte, number 10, number 11 is the Camaro Coupe at 110 per million miles. Yeah. Million registered vehicle years. I'm sorry. So this is a combination. You see small cars. You see performance convertibles. Ironically, on this list, but it's still 91 as opposed to 100, 205 is Chevy Malibu. But that's 91. That's the death rate of 91 deaths per million registered vehicle years as opposed to 205. So the Malibu is less than half. And the Chevy tracks a small SUV. In fact, the smallest SUV Chevy makes is safer than that at 89. The Ford EcoSport, 84. Chevy Impala at 80. And the Kia Optima midsize car at 80. Deaths per million years, 2020 models. And then I mentioned it was four that had no deaths at all. And they were expensive vehicles, but they were not all large. Now, let me flip the script for you. They also talked about vehicles that if you get hit by this vehicle, your chances of dying are pretty high. And mainly, not surprising. What are we talking about? Heavy-duty pickup trucks, three-quarter ton and one ton pickups, mainly, are the ones that if you get hit by these things, not well. And the one that leads the list for some reason, the Ram, built by Stellantis. Not a good thing. We've come to the end of this episode, believe it or not. Please join me here again at the same time. This has been the Tech Mobility Show. The Tech Mobility Show is a copywritten production of Tech Mobility Productions Incorporated. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of Tech Mobility Productions Incorporated. Welcome to AONMeetings.com, your next video conferencing and webinar platform. Host your next virtual meeting or your paid webinar with registration and secure file sharing, break rooms, classrooms, and much more. With over five levels of security to know that your data is safe and secure and 100% browser-based, keep in touch with family and friends using the newest meeting platform. Go to AONMeetings.com to start your free seven-day trial. That's AONMeetings.com to start your seven-day free trial. Did you know that you could still listen to past shows of Roadworthy Drive? Ken Chester here. With the change to the Tech Mobility Show, we've taken steps to maintain our vast library of past shows for your listening pleasure. Whether you want to listen to 1, 10, or 50 of our 1,000 shows, we got you covered. Be sure to visit roadworthydrive.buzzsprout.com or roadworthydrivemoment.buzzsprout.com and subscribe. There's no recurring commitment and you can opt out at any time. We set the price super low so that access to the shows is easy and carefree. Thank you so much for your support. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. Roadworthy Drive is now the Tech Mobility Show. 
I'm Ken Chester, your host. Every week, I delve into the current trends and topics that impact you when it comes to mobility and technology. Things are changing fast, and I cover these topics in a way that's easy to understand. By tuning into the Tech Mobility Show, you can keep informed about the latest happenings with self-driving vehicles, auto finance, electric airplanes, and more. That's the Tech Mobility Show, heard each week on this very fine radio station. days, everybody wants to be social, and we're no exception. Hi, I'm Ken Chester, host of the Tech Mobility Show. We get to share additional content that you won't find on the show. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even TikTok. Yeah, we're there. You can find us at Tech Mobility Pod on Twitter and at the Tech Mobility Show everywhere else. Check us out. Be sure to follow us.